Ah, yes, welcome once again to another edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. You know, I, I know that I, I really do try to start each one of these shows a little differently. First, I do have to tell you of the name of the program. We're here with New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. And then I usually go into the long diatribe about all of the other aspects of the program, where you can hear it, and and supporting the program financially, and participating in uh, going into your inner life, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? I'm going to hold off on that, because uh, I've already said it in a manner of speaking. We're jumping right in here, because it's a very important topic. And I have to say that the last couple of interviews, this one included is a little off the beaten path of what we normally talk about. However, I think it's very important because it affects our individual and collective way of life. We are going to be talking with a woman who uh, is going to be sharing with us about uh, basically a, a toxic environment. Now, some would say, um, well, we already know that, Richard. We already know that we got all kinds of, I mean, look at Love Canal, for starters. Three Mile Island, for, you know, as another one. Uh, when we have hurricanes hitting the Gulf Coast and they take out oil, uh, de uh, the, the derricks out there, the oil platforms, and take out pipe. We had a, a pipeline break here in Santa Barbara to the west of Goleta, uh, California, a, a year or two ago, uh, owned by an oil company. And, and, and the list goes on of the different things. But I don't think that's the main focus today because we're going to be talking uh, with a wellness advocate, a teacher, a healer. We'll find out what her modality is. Artist and spiritual coach. See, I told you, it is a little off topic of what we do. And yet, guess what? It's not because what she's going to talk to us about affects our spiritual lives. Sandra Bolognia, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And I know I just pronounced uh, the G and it's Bologna. Thank you for being with us all the way from, you're not in the Rome, are you? <laughs> That's a beautiful to Italian be name. Top of the day to you. And a top of the day to you, too. Well, you know, I'm coming all the way from Ireland. You know, it's a beautiful place. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. And uh, fortunately, four-leaf clovers are not toxic. It's uh, wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad. How are you today? And <clears throat> how do you measure one's... Um, how do we put this? Level of toxicity, just in a general sense? I mean... For all I know, my mood in the way I'm conversing with you and keeping this sort of light and, and breezy, uh, I, I may have uh, come in contact with uh, some spores that were floating around and I breathed them in as I was heading for work and now I'm loopy as a jaybird. That's a possibility. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you never know. I mean, that, that's true, but we're all used to... Um, being outside and being exposed to things, allergies and hay fevers and so on and so forth. I know I used to have it and still sometimes have a hay fever or something to that effect. Something's in the air that's irritating. That's what they say, isn't it? 
I will tell you that as a kid growing up, I didn't have problems with uh, <clears throat> with the allergies, especially around springtime with the heavy pollen. And it was kind of a good thing, especially considering the fact that we had these, these pine, pine trees that my father planted and the giant one that grew to, I don't know, 30, 40, maybe 50 feet by the time I left at the age of 21. Uh had those those pollen pot packets, and in the spring, when the winds would blow, it would blow that all over the place. Now I have an older sister, eldest sister, who oh my goodness had asthma, and that didn't help. And of course, we didn't have AC; we had an air, uh, an evaporative cooler. And of course, when you first turn it on in the summer, there's dust all inside those ducts, and it would you know. And of course, my mother would always say, "Please." Put a wet towel over the vents before you turn it on so at least it'll collect most of the dust into the wet towel and so on and so on and so on. Um, but as I got older, I didn't, I, know I didn't have problems as a kid, but as I got older into my early and mid-teens, every spring I would have the sneezing from the pollen and everything. And then when I got into my 20s, it went away. It just went away. And I was outside a lot. I bicycled everywhere. I was a paper boy. Seven days a week. So I was outside a lot. Um, that's just kind of the beginning, isn't it? There are certain things there's nothing we can do about. And would you actually classify pollen in this category of toxin because of the human reaction to it? Or how do we say uh, uh, um, it causes distress in some people? Well, I think it, it's a factor. No doubt. Mm -hmm. Definitely a factor uh, because it's in the air we breathe. Right. If it's in the air we breathe, it, it has to be considered. Uh, but it's, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, focusing on more of the ones we place ourselves. Ah, We're so, not controlling the pollen, pollen, excuse me, but it's there. So well, we're we putting ourselves at risk. Those are the things that I think that people might not be aware of. I got you. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Now, I I worked with a woman back in, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. I was producing back then uh, these uh, teaching cassette tapes. Folks, if you don't know what a cassette tape is, Google it, okay? I'm not going to explain it. But she was doing a program having to do with what she referred to as homeostasis because she had severe allergies, if you will. And she started working with a company that was producing all natural cleaning products and things of this nature. And it was real interesting how she would describe uh, the process and how the even the manufacturers, even at the harvesting of, like, for example, lavender and, and some of the other things that they would grow. First of all, they could not have uh, two different crops growing side by side in the field because there would be cross-contamination. It wouldn't be genuinely pure. Then when they would harvest it and they would take it, let's say, into the warehouse or the barn, they couldn't just put a pile of this A over here and a pile over here and a pile here because, again, you're risking cross-contamination. And this was one of the things that she had a real problem with. She could walk into buildings and have an allergic reaction to maybe the, 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 the plastics putting off fumes or the rugs or the paint, uh, people's perfume and cologne, or even just their soap. And the list goes on. And these are the kinds of things you're talking about, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So 
how, um, I'll start with this, how prevalent is this problem in our population? What would you say is the percentage of our population, if there is any statistic, uh, that um, has these kinds of uh, sensitivities? I'm not sure whether that's the right word to use. I don't know what word you would use to describe this condition or this situation. I do, actually, I don't have a statistic on allergens okay. and how many people have allergies. I do know that certain times of year myself, I'm affected. And I remember that I used to not even realize it, you know, it just everything grows in Florida where I lived and nothing, there's always something growing. And a certain time of year, March, and I thought there was something in the house and that was bothering me. And I opened up all the windows. To, to later find out it got worse because it was from the outside, oh. you know, it was, it, oh, I didn't realize that this was um, whatever season it is, you know, growing. So those are definitely things to be aware of. And most people become aware of it as they get older, they'll notice it's a certain season and maybe I'm going to have some sniffles and they take something to help that. Um, but yes, so cross-contamination is one thing, but cross-contamination with in a buildup of the body, Mm -hmm. I think is key. You know, how many things are you exposed to that eventually it erupts? Isn't that, that's how allergies usually are brought about. Mm -hmm. My mother had an allergy to shellfish. Okay. And it happened late, uh, late in late age. It's, it was a buildup in the system. I guess the body doesn't know how to metabolize those things. If someone's genetics aren't able to metabolize the, the items in the air and expel them from the body, then they would build up in the body. Mm. And I think that's what's, that's getting most people, making most people sick is a buildup. Mm. We're talking with Sandra Bologna. She uh, is uh, a wellness advocate, teacher, healer, artist, spiritual coach, and she finds joy guiding others uh, in the process of self-healing. And she is considered by many as a a renaissance woman, uh, which is uh, an interesting term to use for anybody for that matter. And she shares, and I, that's in a good way, and she shares her holistic methods from her healing jewelry line to energy medicine, essential oils, and the importance of incorporating lifestyle changes for your overall well-being to people all over the world. This is Tell Me Your Story, and I'm Richard Dugan, and we're giving you New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're also giving you new ways of living because, again, as I've said many times, just look around you. The old ways aren't working, so we got to find new ones. And especially in the context of our conversation with Sandra Bologna here on Tell Me Your Story. Um, what I find interesting, too, Sandra, is um, the fa- I'm curious if I was, if, if you, uh, well, I guess that maybe go, let me go back. Is there a way to test, and let's focus on home. Office is another, a whole nother kettle of fish, if you will. Uh, is there a way to test a home? Are, are there, is there any equipment, test strips, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to see if there are 
potential allergens, using your term, in the air or in the floors, the walls, the ceiling, etc., etc., so that one can maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, avoid, I don't know, buying the home or renting that particular space uh, and saying, no, I can't, I can't do that. And is it all of the new stuff, say, in the last 20, 30 years, as far as uh, dwellings? Uh, does it go back? I, I mean, I'm living in a place right now that is stucco with wood paneling, floors, ceilings, and walls, and it's got to be 40 or 50 years old. And I personally have not noticed, Norris and my wife, any real problems, and we're fortunate because we're kind of isolated where we live. So what about that? Are, is there a way of testing? And does the age of the dwelling make any difference? Well, that's a good question. Now, I'm not really a building expert. However, I go with what is the material made from? Ah, okay. Okay. Stucco and wood. Okay. Sounds safe to me. And I'd say that these um, environmental home toxins go back at least 50 years. Okay. And they got worse over time. And I guess the the things in your home, what are the floors? Is it carpeted or is it wood or tile? You know, is it concrete? What kind of paint are you getting? Volatile organic compounds are in a lot of things that are in the materials that might be put on your couch or your fabrics, or your curtains. Are they natural? Are they made from petroleum? Um, what are the dyes made from? Those kind of things. So your house sounds lovely with the wood floors. I know I got rid of the carpet in my home quite a while ago because as much as you shampoo a carpet, you cannot get that completely clean unless you get a new one. So uh, a lot of people, I think, go carpet-free or wall-to-wall carpet-free and mm -hmm. use area rugs. Yeah. So that's, but you, when you're talking about measuring, there's different ways of measuring the volatile organic compounds. There are devices for that. I don't have one. Okay. There are devices to make your um, EMFs, electrical magnetic fields, the frequencies in the environment. And I had, do have one of those. Um, but I read the labels like this woman you were speaking of that had the natural cleaning products. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So you would be, if you had something that was releasing, they call it off gassing in the home. So even if you went and bought, let's say a natural mattress made of rubber, mm -hmm. which they call latex, and then there's natural rubbers and man-made rubbers and so on, which are very, very supposed to be very good for you. Okay. There's a period where they off gas and the off gassing could be volatile to someone in the home during that process, just like anything like the new car smell, you know? Oh God, that it's a wonderful smell, <laughs> but we know what that smell is. It's not just a spray that they put in there. It's the collective accumulation of all of the fumes or as you've just used the term off gases off gases from all of the materials used to make the car right 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 
Exactly. Exactly. So depending, and after being in a home made of stucco and wood for 40 years old, it's off. If there was anything in it, it's off gassed already. So you're good. Yeah. Now we have area rugs. It's not wall to wall carpeting on the floors. And we do that simply because we have a dog and cats who love to chase one another. And part of it is because we don't want them to be skidding around and banging into the walls or the furniture and hurting themselves. I don't Absolutely. care so much about the, the furniture so much, but I don't want them to hurt themselves. But also, it's kind of nice on the feet. We get to walk around barefooted, and, and it, just, it just feels very nice. Um, so, I, and, and I want to let our listeners know, we might mention certain specific products. I may mention some that we use, and you can then tell me, all right, is this a good cleaning product? Is this something that I should really be using? Um, now, we do check the labels when we buy stuff to make sure that, especially, that they're pet-friendly. Um, however, when it, when it comes to labels, and primarily I've said this about organic food, okay, uh, there was a strawberry grower here in California who got caught sticking an organic label on his strawberries and was severely fined. And wow. it goes to my point. You can put a label on anything and call it whatever you want. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what it is. And that's where kinesiology comes in. Muscle testing, as I was taught. Yes. So. Uh, first of all, in terms of the products we, that I might mention, they're not, they're not endorsements in, e, in the positive or the negative, okay? I'm just mentioning them, and, and I'm going to get your, uh, your thoughts on this particular, particular product as far as that's concerned. But let's talk a little bit about labels. What should we be looking for? On labels, let's say in this context of cleaning products, whether it's a, a, a carpet freshener or shampoo, um, dishwashing soap, hand soap, because um, we're still talking cleaning, uh, cleaning in like the bathroom, you know, scrubbing bubbles kind of stuff and and um, maybe um, mopping the floors if we pull up all of the rugs and we say, OK, we're just going to go crazy here. We're going to mop all the floors with a wet mop and some solution that will help to get up a lot of the, the sort of ground in dirt into the wood grain. Um, what are we looking for on the label? Well, for cleaning, I look for the ingredients that I might, I know what they are for one thing. And you can pronounce and them. I like, my motto is <laughs> if you can't eat it, well, that's, we're not talking about wearing it. If you can't eat it, don't wear it. You, you know, you, mm -hmm. you can't eat it. You don't want to put it on your skin. Same thing. You know, if you have to go wear gloves to work with something, mm -hmm. you know, it could be an irritant. Uh, but cleaning products, I think it's going to have an aroma or some reaction. And sometimes they react with each other. There's a lots of good products. Like there are a lot of orange cleaners, citrus cleaners. Ah, yes. There's... um. And, and there's a clay that I like that's a French. They say it's from France. It's a white clay, and it's a really good scrubbing agent Okay. Um, for scouring. And it comes in, it's just clay, you know. Interesting. You, you, but it's not scratchy. Okay. You know, they, so, they, they have these new, they have these new uh, uh, white sponges, 
and I figured out how they managed to how they I, I will take a regular sponge that has all the little holes that you can see. I mean, like big pores, so we say. And I'll go to the stovetop to try to scrub off some some baked on or cooked on mess. And I can't get it all off. I get this white sponge and it's the brand is Mr. Clean. And I will wet it, wring it out and take it over to that same spot. And within a couple of minutes, if that, I've removed it. Whereas I've expired, I've used a lot of elbow grease with the other sponge and it just won't come up. Well, you make a good point on that one because lots of times things do take a little more elbow grease if they're natural. Yeah. I even asked my mom, where do you buy it? Do you get it at Super X or CVS or, you know, Bashes? Those were the stores when I was growing up, you know. No, it's right here, boy. It's right here. (laughs) We're talking talking with Sandra Bologna. Uh, She is going to help us to... I don't know if, if she's going to help us to necessarily detoxify our homes uh, specifically as much as be aware of and do what we can to remove what we can from our environment where we live. I want to say most of the time, most of the time here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking about removing toxins from your environment, from your home. Um, I wanted to ask you, I want to go back to this whole issue of uh, specifically cleaning products, okay? Um, I've often thought, you know, if I'm going to do a mopping and it's going to pick up the dirt just the same, why can't I just use water? I mean, it seems to me like water is just fine. I don't need to put down some kind of a solution. What, what is the solution really doing? Although there will be those who say, well, it's, it's breaking up the dirt. It's breaking up any grease or oil on the floor and this and that and the other. You know, and I'm just sitting here going, there's got to be an easier way. You mentioned citrus products, okay? And I've seen more and more of them come out. There's another brand. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, if they sell it where you live. Uh, I think the brand is called Murphy's. And they Murphy make oil soap. Murphy's. No, it's not just. Oh, no, it's not oil. Uh, it's uh, no. Wait a minute. Is it Murray's? Maybe it's M E Y E R S. Murray's. I think it Myers. is. Myers. Myers. Thank you. Yeah. See, I don't even know how to pronounce the darn thing. Uh, but they make all kinds of different things, from laundry soap to fabric softener, um, and and other types of things of this nature, including uh, dish soap and 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 what have you. And from what I understand, those are supposed to be pretty good. I actually was given some in a bundle of something that I tried with some natural things Mm -hmm. and I don't use it. I don't like some of the ingredients in it. I don't think it's as pure as it claims. I think the marketing and the bottle makes it look clean. That's, but I never did an analysis of the product. Yeah. There were some, I, I probably have something under the sink, but it's like a last resort kind of thing. If I run out of something, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't use it. Now, here's something that I wanted to touch on, and that is as we begin to become more aware as a society about these issues of these allergens in our homes, and again, we're going to try to stay focused there, uh, we are starting to shift away from, and I don't know how many cleaning products are made with petroleum or petroleum byproducts, but there are, there's a move, especially here in California, uh, to get off of petroleum. And of course, there's the other side. This, are you kidding me? Do you know how many things are made from petroleum? Plastics and this and that and the other. And I'm just sitting here going, well, you know, 
There was a day when uh, we didn't have cars. We had a horse and a buggy, and uh, that's how we got around. And uh, then all of a sudden, the automobile came along, and that's how we got around. And change isn't always easy, but it seems to me like we're heading in that direction where it's time. We've been doing it for over 100 years. We've seen the pluses and the minuses. Our planet's a mess. I think we need to clean up our home, okay? Don't care about climate change. Don't care about any of the science. If we're going to buy cleaning products, if you don't mind my segue there, we need to make sure that the cleaning products we're using to clean our homes aren't making the home, I'm going to use the word, dirtier with toxins. Your thoughts in that regard, are you seeing that as the public becomes more aware, the corporations are taking note, kind of like they did with organics? Well, I think that's a very good point. Um, my perspective on this is that the more plants that we use for our cleaning, our clothes, our food, the more plants we incorporate and not petroleum byproducts or um, synthetic chemicals, the healthier we will be in our environment and our bodies. Mm -hmm. That's my uh, feeling. So if the ingredients are natural, there's lots of natural ways to clean things, lots of natural ways. And sometimes you need something extra. I think the only thing that's chemical that I have, and I keep it like in a corner somewhere in the garage is, is Clorox is, so, is some bleach, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, my housekeeper, when, when someone comes to help me clean, I say, no, they, they always bring their own stuff, you know, and it's all this chemicals. You're not, you're going to use any of that. You're going to use what I give you. And um, it takes more elbow grease is what it does. Mm. And sometimes you need a little bit of extra um, to do something. And, um, but it's, it's definitely, I don't think it's good for the person using it, let alone the people who breathe it after. Yeah. And that's kind of the kicker. Um, we're talking with Sandra Bologna, and by becoming aware of the toxins that are present in our lives, we can improve our sleep, our attitude, uh, including, and this is one area that I have dealt with, but I found out it was food that I was eating, inflammation, uh, longevity, uh, youthfulness, fitness and happiness, not to mention eliminating uh, the uh, elements that you may uh, presently have, the ailments, I should say, that you presently have. We're talking with, uh, again, Sandra Bologna. And uh, what's the website that we want to send people to so that they can get more information about what we're talking about today? Well, SandraBologna.com is probably a good place to start. Excellent. Excellent. And we are going to be linked to your website, Sandra, because I think it's very important that people uh, get information. Uh, that's another issue I want to talk more about as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I'm so glad that you're with us learning more about this. We're going to get into the more metaphysical and spiritual aspects of this whole aspect of toxins uh, as we continue. <clears throat> but one of the things that I was just looking at, having to do excuse me, having to do with uh, uh, what makes a healthy home. Can you, can you help us in a basic way to uh, figure that out? Yes, absolutely. I, my goal always is to bring the outside in. 
If I can feel like the air is fresh when I'm in a home, then I think it's a healthy home if I can breathe easy. And many times when people come to my door, they said, oh, it smells so good in there. And they're not even in the house. I just open the door because I have essential oils diffusing. I have, you know, use essential oil cleaning products. And so I guess I'm used to it, but it's in the drapes. It's in the fabrics. The thing is, whatever you're putting in the air, your personal perfumes or your, your potpourri or whatever it is, it's going into the air. And it's going into the furniture, into the clothes, Mm. into your cells. And so those things are uh, you're bringing into the house make a difference on how the house smells. And a lot of people like here's a good example this time of year. You go to the store and you see these brooms that have a scent like cinnamon. Oh, yeah. It's not real cinnamon. It was made in the lab. Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're better off to just buy cinnamon, you know, and, <laughs> and, or, 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 or something, you know, it's just, or put cinnamon in water and spray it. I, I don't know, but there's um, a lot of artificial um, pumpkin flavored things. And, oh yeah. 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 This uh, <laughs> pumpkin spice. <laughs> right. Is it real pump made from pumpkin? You know, I don't know. I love squash and I like to cook squash and then I take the seeds out and I put those on a plate or a pan and put a little bit of olive oil and salt on them. And that's a snack. You know, I just like the whole vegetable Mm. in its entirety this time of year. And then there's an aroma in the house. You know, we always like the smell of good cookies or cookies baking, right? Or muffins. That's the, you know, a, a way to get the smell in your house. Yeah. Make, okay. And, and products like uh, these air fresh products and Glade and da 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 da, the list goes on. Those are just chemicals. One of the things that I like to do is, you know, those, those um, votive candle infusers? Uh, my wife likes to take one of those and the pot sitting on top and put essential oils that she knows are actually the oil from, say, lavender or rose mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and that does that. And, of course, I also, as most of us do around the holidays, love the smell of just cooking, whether it's the turkey and the stuffing and the pies and the mashed potatoes and the list goes on of whatever it is that you cook in your home. Oh, my God. And you can go through a neighborhood, like, say, Thanksgiving morning, or early, late morning, and you can just, it's just everywhere because everybody's cooking. Everybody's preparing for the meal later that afternoon and Christmas as well. Um, so those are the kinds of aromas you're talking about. Um, there, <laughs> there are some that we, we, we might say, yes, I do like this particular food or that particular food, but I don't like its lingering smell like fish or onions, okay, sometimes garlic. Um, but something tells me that there's something to that. Now, because uh, what I'm leading to here is these aromas, because we've kind of shifted into that for the moment, they not only elicit mem- memories. Yes. Okay. They not only elicit memories, but they also, which means they're doing something to our brains as far as the pathways. But there's also something about that that supports our spiritual 
health and well-being. Can you can you talk to that? Well, there it's not just aromas, it would be sounds too. Okay, yeah. let's go let's so go with everything. Aroma and sounds, that's true. So memories are triggered. So the smell of an aroma goes right through your um, nose to the amygdala and it triggers memories. And those memories may be you're smelling candy canes. Like I have one diffuser, I put this um, called stress away oil in another one. I put peppermint and it smells like candy canes in here. Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, it was just one had peppermint and one had is vanilla. There was vanilla in that one and it smelled like candy canes in the house. And so that was very pleasant. Uh, So, um, so that is one way to, and peppermint's very mentally stimulating, Mm -hmm. activates the digestion. So um, yeah, there's definitely, and memories are triggered. So people get an emotional response from something that they smell and mm-hmm. uh, they may may bring up a bad memory yeah it could so that's why maybe some people don't like a certain smell i had lots of eye operations as a kid growing up and the smell of ether is not one that evokes very many good memories uh, but the smell of a pine tree a cut pine tree in the house as a christmas tree Uh, I have always, always enjoyed, and I will tell you that I have never used pine scent at Christmas. Uh, We will go to one of these uh, pine tree lots where they have the the boughs and so forth, and then we'll put them up on windowsills or or up high. We'll hang them from the wall or what have you to have that smell, and then when when they dry out, I put them in the fire to start a fire because they they light right up, let me tell you. that's bringing another, the outdoor in. Bringing the outdoor in, exactly. Uh, that's another thing I'm curious about. Now, we have a fireplace. And I know that in some parts of the country, California is one of them, in the cities in particular, you're not allowed to have a fireplace. You're not allowed to burn in a fireplace. You want a gas fireplace? You can have a gas fireplace, except that... For whatever reason, they've decided that they want everybody in the state of California to go electric. And it's like, eh, but an electric fireplace isn't as efficient. Anytime you have to use electricity to heat, it's inefficient. Gas is so much more efficient because it's quick. It's almost instantaneously hot. And when you turn it off, it's almost instantaneously cold. Uh, so I don't, I don't know where the logic is in that. But... I'm curious about that in terms of especially the holidays and, you know, talking about these things. What about uh, when we like candles? We love to have candles burning in the house. But isn't there a a downside as far as this issue of toxicity? Yes, candles are. um, I know I can't believe that my brother-in-law was visiting and um and and got me a gift and it was a scented candle. I'm like, he's known me for how long? And he gets me this scented candle. I, I you know, I had to give it away or I don't know what I did with it. Um, but I, I can't, most of them, I think they make candles out of um, more natural products, soy candles or, and, and the, they're scented with real uh, uh, essential oils from plants. Mm-hmm. Can, but I can just smell it. No. So I, I can tell the fragrance. So right. I 
diffuse oils in from a diffuser in it and an ultrasound ultrasonic um no sound excuse me ultrasonic mist mm -hmm. which then permeates the air changes the environment and i use um the luminara candles and the candles that use batteries oh yes i yes. love those i have them all over well we use the the battery powered ones with the little disc batteries but mm -hmm. that also presents a whole nother thing uh, and this actually raises a bigger question. Okay, so I want to detoxify my home. And first and foremost, I'm going to start by changing out all of the cleaning products. You made an interesting comment, especially when it came to the scented candle that your brother gave you. You're not going to use it. And if it's not good to you, for you to use... Why would you give it to anybody else? So now what exactly. do you do with it? And now exactly. all, of this, all of this stuff goes into the landfills. Now what I, have we done? I agree with you 100%. It's a question. Now what do I do with it? What do I you do? Know, I, just, I don't even know what I did with it. It's probably still in the garage. Uh, I don't remember what I did with it. Um, but, yeah, it's just an issue and uh, it's a concern even with an object, like at one point in time, you know, there might have been a re religious object that I have, but if I don't want it anymore, what am I supposed to do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and um, unless I know somebody who would treasure that, you know, uh, would pass it on. But um, that's a whole nother subject, really. But one of the most, you know, Richard, one of the most toxic things that's in people's homes uh -oh. that they don't realize. Uh-oh. Are dryer sheets and no! yes and i go for a walk in my neighborhood and i get so offended because i'm smelling this toxic smell because it's going out into the yep. neighborhood yeah and so i realized it was this one woman on my street i don't know the people on the other streets all but i asked i said and so she was in her she's a realtor and she was in her office and i walked by and i said can you step outside? Because I didn't want to say anything in front of everyone. And I said, do you use dryer sheets? And she said, yes. You know, mice hate them. She said, uh, she was told that you can put them around and keep mice away. Mm -hmm. I said, the reason they hate them is because they're toxic. And so it's one of the worst uh, sources of VOCs in the home. By the way, by the way, that was a recommendation when you live out in the wilderness, which we sort of do, I mean, we live in the Los Padres National Forest up on the hill above Santa Barbara, and it's right. in it's on the county. It's it's in the county, but not the city uh, with lots of oak trees around the whole bit. And, of course, all the animals. We have a deer. We've had a bear up on the property. We hear uh, foxes off in the distance, uh, not to mention our own animals. Uh, we used to have a flock of, chick of, of turkeys on the property and so on and so forth. But we also have rodents all right and one of the recommendations by my mechanic was and then i looked this up on youtube and, it, and it's supposedly true and to your point they say take a couple of dryer sheets wrap them around and secure them to one of the maybe metal cross beams or a hose in the engine compartment because when you live out in the wilderness like we do there's a real risk that rodents will get up into your motor when it's still warm to stay warm, and they will then chew on the wiring and all those kinds of things. Right. Well, that dryer sheet uh, wrap 
will repel them, keep them from going into that compartment because it, it'll heat up when you're driving. But then the thought just occurred to me that it's the same thing as if it was tumbling in the dryer and then the air is coming out the vent hose that's going to come into your cabin of your car or truck, whatever it is, and now you're getting the toxins. Exactly. So think about that. Why wow. do the animals, you know, yeah. it's, 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 and people don't get it. So a lot of people are still <clears throat> programmed to like that. Yeah. And so I think it's a process of showing people, you know, it's eliminating the, when I first started this, um, changing the products was 22 years ago. Wow. And I started diffusing the oils. Um, and I took, I say 15 minutes twice a day. I started to get headaches. You have to drink more water because the natural way of getting rid of toxins is naturally mm -hmm. drink water. You're going to eliminate it through your digestive system. You're going to eliminate it through your skin. And that's how you want to do it slowly. If you do it too quickly, you'll have a healing crisis. Mm. And the, the more toxic load that you have with all of these things that we're bringing in the house ourselves, on top of whatever else is going on, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're eating, is it any wonder that people get sick? Yeah. They don't even realize it. Sandra Bologna, sandrabologna.com is her website. We will be linked to her website so that you can get more information about the work that she is doing. And uh, it's mind, body, emotions, it's spirit, it's uh, beginning your journey to wellness. Uh, you want to heal yourself. And in the process, you're going to heal the earth. You're going to raise your spiritual vibration. Let's talk a little bit about that. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm here with uh, Sandra Bologna. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Sandra, uh, what about that in terms of, uh, uh, you know, our spiritual health? Now, I know that you mentioned, you've already mentioned, for example, sound and music, you know, and that kind of thing, along with the aromas that you want in your home. Um, but we're talking now about sort of going into that realm of the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision, where we encourage people to go within, to listen to that still small voice, to find that quiet, peaceful, calm place where they can relax, they can re-energize, they can rejuvenate, but they can also get information, they can get encouragement. And I mentioned kinesiology a little while ago. You know, muscle testing? I was taught that, oh my God, almost 40 years ago. <clears throat> and there comes a point when you don't have to do this anymore. You just, it, you just know that exactly. this, isn't, this isn't good for you. I shouldn't, you know, uh, this particular item that is in the non-organic produce section. But I go over to the, produce sec the organic produce section, hoping that the labels are correct. Okay, this is okay for me. This will work for me. Um, what about this whole aspect of... How do we put it? Fortifying, bolstering, supporting our spiritual health and well-being. Well, it's a process. I, I believe that you, the muscle testing is sometimes people don't know how to muscle test. And basically, you don't ask a question. You put it in a statement, a positive way. 
So um, if I'm curious about this, this is um, a supplement. This is something that I take, took to a restaurant. It's called the Dandy Blend. It's um, dandelion, chicory, and it's like a coffee substitute. Uh huh. And so, okay, so you would have the product and you'd think, or you'd have it in your hand and you do your muscle test and say, Dandy Blend is good for me right now. And if it goes right through like that, no. Right. Uh, Correct. It's a good. Dandy Blend is a good thing for me to have right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it goes, it, yeah. So it's like that. And eventually you're right. The process, you just know. You just know. And and one of the one of the things that I had a very interesting experience, I don't know how many years ago, many years ago, I would walk in the grocery store, you go down the cereal lane. Oh, yeah. Cereals, and I looked at them like I was in a horror, you know, like I looked at all of them. <laughs> like, I, I can't touch these. And I used to love Cheez-Its, you know, Cheez-Its were my favorite thing. Oh. It's like, I'm looking at them. I don't even want to reach, you know, it's right. like, right. I'm like, it's like, a, yeah. But last year I had anxiety in 2020, early 2020. And I, the only way that I could change it was meditation. Mm. So that did it for me. So I decided to go inside and um, take control and listen. And it just went away. Wow. Well, I know that that is a big issue that uh, the the mental health uh, community is now facing. Uh, we've gone from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic to, in this country specifically, but I'm sure it's more global, a uh, mental health pandemic because of the stress that people have been experiencing. And I would venture that if a survey were taken, I would bet you the numbers would be close to 80 or 90 percent of the population, global population, uh, is is suffering from some form some level from a scale on one from a scale of one to ten of PTSD. Now I myself was fortunate in that I was able to work and I'm still working through the pandemic, but not from home. I would still come into work every day. My routine basically didn't change. So in one sense I was lucky that I was able to maintain that. But I was unlucky because I also had to listen to the whining and the complaining and the moaning and the groaning about what they're being asked to do. And I was saying this from the very beginning, if we'll do what we are being asked to do, we could be done with this in three months. Well, we didn't do what we were asked to do. There were too many uh, individuals. And again, I'm not passing judgment. If that's what you chose to do, that's fine. You know, uh, but I've, I guess I had a conversation with a gentleman not long ago about the whole uh, issue of masks, and that's not where we're going with this. But um, uh, I said, okay, you've quoted a lot of numbers. That's great. And we lost over, we so far, so over 700,000 Americans, you know, maybe some other foreign nationals and so forth and so on. But we lost 700,000 human beings, people that we used to work with and play with and live with and sleep with and so on and so on and so on. And it's like when I hear the numbers, I just think these were people with lives and dreams and memories and hopes and aspirations and fears. And we're just kind of sloughing it all off because of the facts, because of the statistics. 
And to me, that's one of the biggest problems I see when we start talking, let's just say, about this whole issue of toxicity in our homes. Again, that's where we're really focusing, is that people, and I I also realize, too, that people don't care much for change. I mean, change is the one thing that we're we're programmed to fear, to hate, to despise. And I sit here going, no, 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 no. Change should be your friend, should be your lover, should be your partner. You should say, as George Jr. said uh, to the to the I guess it was the Taliban or whatever back in 2002, bring it on. And I say to change, bring it on. Doesn't mean that my life is necessarily going to be without uh, challenge. But it's going to be different. It's going to be different. So do you see that a lot of people, in spite of the fact that they get this information from within about certain things that are toxic to them, like, oh, I don't know, maybe the red dye on this cup, okay, that could be toxic, or anything else for that matter, they resist it because they don't want to change. Or they like it. Or or they like it. That's true, too. I mean, it yeah. took me 60 years to get off of Coke. Well, well, there you go. It, 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 people are addicted to their lifestyle, to their food. We are addicted to food. I mean, um, I did five cleanses last year and six so far this year. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. Master, the master cleanse is what I did. And um, so because it's a way to detox the body and reset yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people can't do that, nor do they want to. Um, it's, it's, we're addicted to it. And, you know, there's a lot of parasites living inside of us that are controlling our behavior. <laughs> oh, Wow. So yeah. it's not it's not so much that we need to worry <laughs> we need to worry about government intervention or alien intervention. We've already got it happening within us from the parasites. We're a universe of our. That's right. Yeah, we've got people don't want to admit that the you know that they have parasites. Oh, I don't have any parasites. You know, um, yeah, you do. I mean. What are I, you crazy? Yeah, right. So there's a lot of things that. And and when you set up an environment for it's the terrain theory versus the disease or the germ theory, you know, if your terrain can't grow anything negative, it won't live. Mm. That's the idea. Mm. Clean, get rid of the stuff that nurtures the right. negative stuff and create an environment that fosters and grows positive thoughts and good feelings. You know, right? it's it's been said that uh, sugar, in whatever form it might be in, actually facilitates the growth of certain cancer cells. That's right. Well, sh- cancers feed on sugar. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. So if you sour or um, eliminate the food supply... Most likely, again, and I'm no—I'm not an oncologist, ladies and gentlemen. Check with yours before you do anything. But it seems logical that if I just eliminate the sugar, you know, uh, and and I'm wondering if I go to natural sugar. I've heard that uh, maple syrup, pure maple syrup, is better than cane sugar. 
but well, it's still sweet. That's what I use. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I like maple syrup, but I don't take it too much because it is a sugar. But I take, I like stevia and I have a natural one that I use. Yeah. Um, there's monk fruit. There's also these miracle fruits that you can chew first and anything you eat after that's sweet. Really? Yeah. It's called miracle fruit. I, I want to get a tree. I haven't gotten, they, they will grow in this climate and I'm probably going California too. Uh, what, um, uh, where, where, where are you? What part of the country? West, I'm in South Florida. South Florida. Okay. So we're opposite ends, if you will, of the country. Yes. We're on different coasts. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So well, it, it just, yeah, it is. It is very interesting. Um, one of the other things that I'd like to talk about as we continue here on the program, talking with Sandra Bologna uh, regarding uh, detoxifying, removing toxins from your home. One of the things that I was looking at here was that most importantly, uh, mindfulness meditation. You mentioned that was one of the things that you do, mindfulness meditation and how we choose to live, uh, how we choose to live in our our. Uh, our vehicles, our human bodies, in that case, that's what I refer to it as well. And uh, on Earth, our homes will determine how sensitive we are to becoming aware of these toxins that may be present or around us. And that's along the lines of using our intuition or, as we've talked about before, kinesiology. The body doesn't lie, does it? No. No. It, it, the, that's the another thing. If you eat something new or if you eat something, you feel good. Let's say you feel fantastic and then you go to eat something. Be mindful. How do you feel now after you ate that? You know, how, how do you how does it make you feel? Do you eat something and then your knee hurts or your 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 eyeballs get puffy or something, you know, mm -hmm. then then be aware of that. What did you do that changed did you put something on your skin? Did you go somewhere to, you know, it's very, the body responds pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's an intelligence that we have if we listen, because we are just a physical extension of our spirit. But part of the problem is, is that we haven't been taught how to listen. As a matter of fact, what we have been taught is not to listen, to listen excuse me, <clears throat> to listen to the voices outside of ourselves, our doctors, our elders, if we're children or young adults, uh, or wh whatever other authority figure. And it kind of goes back to a 1960s phrase. Now, granted, I was in single digits at the time. Uh, something along the lines of never trust authority. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. Those are diametrically opposed uh, so why aren't we listening to ourselves? Yeah, we have all the answers inside. Yeah. All we have to do is listen. Mm -hmm. And that is what I hope to help people do. To people, to each person's different things affect people differently. And the, you're the best healer. Mm -hmm. You are your own healer. Uh, that's what I believe. And so people often ask, well, what do you do for this? What do you do for this? We, I don't really like to give all the answers because the key is finding yours. What's your best thing to use? Mm. That's that's the key. Let's let's figure out how you can figure out what you need. Absolutely, and and that's really the kicker. And and it's like I told my physician 
uh, back in July, un- and I will I can give you the exact date. Uh, July 23rd of 2020 was a Thursday. Thursday evening, uh, I decided that I was going to drink one and then two of the glass bottle Mexican version Cokes that were in our refrigerator, thinking, not a big deal, you know, I'm, I'm being careful. But I was also had a symptom. I was drinking lots of water and I was peeing a lot, which is the first symptom, one of the symptoms of type 2 diabetes. And of course, my wife knew this and immediately we set up an appointment. So the 24th, I go in. Uh, the first thing they do is they check my blood sugar. 544, supposed to be in the low hundreds, 100 to 120, maybe down to the 90s or 80s, 504. Normal uh, A1C uh, is supposed to be 5.7. Mine was 11.2. And uh, after about 30 minutes being in a a little bit of shock going, no, uh, you know, it's not like I was told I had the big C or anything, but still it's like, Oh, boy, am I going to have to take insulin? Of course, fortunately, that wasn't the case and, and so forth. But the doc says, Richard, it's going to be a long road. And I said, no, it's not. Once I got my composure back, I said, no, I know how I got here. I got here because of the pandemic. Because when we were all locked down and told not to go anywhere, the foods that we chose to eat, which diverted us from our normal greens and uh, produce-heavy uh, diet – went to processed foods, which are heavy in sugar and carbs. And, and even when they, uh, he did, apparently you can take the A1C and you, you can get an average uh, blood sugar level. And mine was between 275 and 300 for a three-month period prior. And I said, no, it's not going to take long. Anyway, so I get the little meter and the little stick pin and all this kind of stuff. And I get the medication that they prescribed, metformin. He says, take two every day. So I did that for about three weeks. I noticed that my numbers were going down, so I'm going, I'm going down to one metformin. Didn't tell him. And I continued to stay. I, I haven't had a soda since the 23rd of July 2020. Congrats. And by the 15th of September, my A1C, I'm not A1C, my uh, blood sugar was down in the mid to low hundreds. 100 to 150 would fluctuate. By November, when I went to see him, my A1C was pulled at 5.7. And my average a, uh, a blood sugar was probably 115. Congratulations. In you February of this year, same thing. Now, th- uh, I asked him in November, you know, what about the metformin? Can I get off of that? Because I didn't want to be on that in the first place, but, you know, I did it. Yeah. More so to placate my wife and the doctor than anything else. But I then did my own self-prescribing and took it down to one. Then in November, he said, okay, why don't you take it down to, to, to one? So I just stopped taking them all together. My blood sugar still stayed down because I stuck with the original diet that we had prior to the pandemic. And it's been fine ever since. And like I, I check it every so often. So it's one of those things where it has been said, in addition to the mental health um, dilemma that we we're facing pandemic, I think we're also facing a physiological or biological pandemic of epic proportions because even before the pandemic, I mean, what? I don't know what the statistics are, uh, 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 Sandra, but uh, the obesity rate in this country alone 
which exacerbates heart disease, kidney disease, as well as diabetes, type 2 diabetes, has got to be going through the roof. I lost 40, 50, 45, 50 pounds last year. Wow. I lost 20. I was at 195. July of 2020, I was weighed in at 182, and the last time I was weighed when I had my gallbladder removed this year, in August of this year, with, by the way, a golf ball-sized gallstone and a very infected gallbladder, uh, I was down to 174. Awesome. Now, I don't recommend that as a diet, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't change my diet. I just, uh, it was frequencies. I just used frequencies and... um, had some uh, hormonal issues going on and changed the frequencies and the weight just fell off. Tell me about what do you mean by frequencies? Describe that for us. Well, I have a frequency doctor and I have a little frequency device that I'm running a smooth, smooth coherence program right now. So everything goes smoothly. And so um, I use basically there was uh, an issue of um, polycystic ovaries cysts, multiple cysts, which is notorious for holding on to weight. Ah. So no matter what I, so, and um, my frequency doctor discovered that and um, used frequencies and put the frequencies in water. And I drank the water and, um, and used my frequency device and the weight just fell off. You know, I had the privilege of narrating a documentary back in 2000, 2006, uh, regarding Royal Raymond Rife's frequency generator. You're familiar with it. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I find interesting is that um, the medical community and science has not yet accepted the concept. There's another gentleman by the name of... um, I think it's Stephen Lewis. I think that's his name. He wrote a book called Sanctuary. We've had him on this program. And he has a program called EMC Squared, where you send him a photograph of you head to toe. He puts it into the computer. And the computer is able to analyze your photograph exclusively. It's you that you're looking at. It's kind of what the Indians, you used to hear about the Indians not wanting you to take their photograph because you would take their spirit. And what the computer does is it analyzes the photograph and then it sends out to you specifically the what you might call the balancing frequencies for those frequencies in your body that are out of balance. And that's what we talked about with that woman homeostasis. That's this it. You want to maintain homeostasis. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. It really is. There's so, a Russian device that does that. Was it a Russian device? Are you talking about the rife frequency? Oh, you're talking about this gentleman, Stephen Lewis? Yes. No, it was here in the States. It was here in the States. But I mean, the device might have been from Russia. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, although I will say this, um, I kind of, uh, we went, and I tell you where I met Stephen. It was at a, a lecture given by Wayne Dyer back in 1998 or 99. Uh, we went to see him uh, at a local facility in Phoenix, and Stephen was there, and he was describing this concept. And I, of course, I, I do sound editing, and 
uh, on my screen, if I'm if I'm looking at a true stereo signal with a left and a right, where you've got, let's just say for the sake of argument, you've got guitars on the left channel and trumpets on the right, but then you have violins on both and so forth. If you were to take one of those channels and flip it out of what they call out of phase, and then you mix the two channels together, the dissimilar frequencies or, or, or um, uh, the, the dissimilar frequencies will be brought to the forefront of the sound wave in terms of your listening, your ear, and the similar frequencies will either be, will be pushed way into the back. And I, uh, I found this out through the process of creating sing-along tapes, you know, like uh, how people would create karaoke, you know, kind of things from the original uh, music from the artist and his singing and everything, right? So it would push the artist way in the background because he'd be on both tracks, but the instrumentation would be brought forward. So I diagrammed this out and I actually talked to uh, his, his um, the, the, I, th- I think they refer to this type of position as the bulldog, uh, sort of his protector, so to speak. On the, and I was trying to set up an interview with him and I was sharing this with her. I said, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't want to talk about that. I said, well, why not? She says, well, because if that information fell into the wrong hands. And my first thought was, well, wait a minute. I'm the only one who's ever thought of this. <laughs> I don't think no. so. I believe no, in the hundredth no. monkey theory. I- well, that's very interesting because yeah. when you take, for example, I'm, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of holographic kinetics, but there is no. a, okay. And in any frequency in a healing mode, it's a healing modality. And when you have a certain issue, like let's say you have a frequency of a drug, for example, mm-hmm. a frequency of something negative, you take that frequency and hit it back at 180 degrees and it knocks it out, neutralizes it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I, that's in my mind, I process that. And it's like, if I knew how to design a piece of equipment to do that, I know what it is that I'm trying to do. And I think Royal Raymond Rife was doing exactly the same thing because he was testing these different diseases in the cells under an electron microscope. It was the only way he could do it because he needed to look at live cells. Dead cells didn't help him any. They had no, no head. They didn't have the vibration. Uh, the frequency. And I think that's the same, same thing. And just think about all the frequencies we're being bombarded with now. I want to talk about that as we continue. Okay. I want to talk about EMFs and, uh, or EFMs. I don't know. We'll find out how that goes. (laughs) And we'll talk more about that with Sandra, Sandra Bologna and uh, SandraBologna.com. We'll be linked to her website here on Tell Me Your Story. As we talk to Sandra Bologna here on Tell Me Your Story, I want to ask you about uh, this, uh, this something you mentioned earlier in the program. And I know that it's a big concern for a lot of people, especially now here in 2021, when we are now talking about uh, this new concept. It's new to some people called 5G, and we're talking about EMFs and how to reduce them as well as uh, our air quality. And I want to know a little bit more. Uh, The only thing I can think of that might help is if I surrounded my entire home in what they call a Faraday cage that would somehow block it all out. But I'm not sure I'd get it past the the building codes inspectors. (laughs) Talk to us about how, what they are, where they come from, and how we protect ourselves, or maybe you can't, and how we minimize 
our um, uh, our, our uh, the impact of them on us? Well, there's a, that's a really good question, uh, Richard, because it's a lot of EMFs going on around. And now in the last year, I just went back. I was a computer science teacher for 20 years. So the last year I went, this past year, I finally went back wired. Now, right now I'm using Wi-Fi because I wanted to sit in my living room and not my office, which has a window right behind me. So I am using Wi-Fi, but um, I have gone Ethernet. And that changed made a 12th of the EMFs. Now, when you from, say, when you say you went ethernet, you're talking about using what's called a cat five cable rather than through the air. Yes. Okay. So I have uh, wired my computers um, so that, and I measured it with this device, this trifield, which is an inexpensive one. There's a lot better devices than this, but when I, found out about the devices is the only one I knew about at the time. And you can measure the, uh, the, the electromagnetic waves in the, um, area. So it went from 12 to 0.5. Wow. Yes. Just by eliminating Wi-Fi. Correct. On my computer. So I moved my uh, modem, which used to be in my living room into my office and I did put a Faraday cage around it. I was looking at these Faraday cages and around the modem. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how well it's working because it's a makeshift one. But I looked up all these things and they were looked like these metal files that you could get in Home Depot, which I got years ago. Mm-hmm. They're like these things you put files in right. made of mesh. Mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. And they looked just like that. And they were like. I don't know how many times more expensive. Right? right. And I have a bunch of them. So I just put one down. Then I put one this way. So you could put something in it. I put the modem in there and I put the wires in this thing and put another one on top and it's completely covered. Okay. And these mesh things. So all it's doing is keeping the emanations of EMFs from coming out at the strength that they were, but the modem still functions normally. The wires are coming out, right? The wires is coming. Yeah, it's still functioning. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It's not probably as pure as it could be because it was makeshift. You know, it was right. what I had. And But it got it in a position by my desk that was good. I've and heard it said they're made out of copper. Is that right? No, these these are made out of steel. Steel. Okay. Um, there are so many things you can do. Um, I have my house surrounded with organite. You know, organite. And here's a pyramid. This has a field of 105 square miles. Wow. Yeah. And it has shungite in it and has copper in it and um, crystals. This one, a friend made a friend made it for me. Um, he was an art teacher, but he actually took three years to surround South Florida in this stuff. So that's the problem with South Florida. (laughs) Since 2006, it took from 2003 to 2006. I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but anyway, so it, we haven't really had a hurricane hit. Wow. 
well, this area, in this area. I will tell you that, uh, speaking of hurricanes, and this kind of does tie into what you're talking about, I may not have been a real big fan of televangelists in the 80s and early 90s. And the reason I even bring it up is because I worked for a Christian radio station for 15 years in the 80s and early 90s. But I do remember one instance where Pat Robertson, who I believe is still alive, um, he made a comment about a hurricane that was coming and that they were going to pray that and, and, and ask God to move it. Now, whether it would have moved without their prayer or not, we will never know because they prayed and it moved. Now, I've, I, I don't know where it went. That. I don't know. I don't remember where it hit landfall, but it avoided wherever it was that that Pat and his group were in the, in the city and the area of that uh, the part of the country. So I'm wondering about this aspect of prayer meditation. I'm a Reiki master. I know that I'm just a conduit. I don't direct the energy other than to the person or situation. What the person or situation does with it, that's up to them. So I'm wondering, when it comes to purifying our homes, detoxifying our homes, and that kind of thing, can that kind of energy work be helpful in removing or minimizing the toxins? Absolutely. Absolutely. I put. You can put a field around your house. You can put a field around your body. You can put a field around whatever you're strong enough to put a field around for one thing. And you know that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, that is, it's setting your intention. Um, But uh, if you have things that can hold the energy or support that, and these are kind of like what we were talking about, neutralizing the frequencies. What these do is neutralize the negative frequencies. Mm -hmm. A lot of these things, pulling your bed out eight to 12 to inches from the wall if you have something plugged into it, I unplug my internet every night. I unplug it. I have done that for probably 15 years because mm. I know what computers do. You know, I took, used to shut a whole room of them off every day. And a lot of people just leave their computer on all the time. I shut it down. Well, so there's so many things you can do to, and you can feel the difference. Yeah. If you're sensitive enough. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that um, I have a computer at home. It is uh, 15 years old. It still works. It's still running Windows XP. I bought it in 2006 when we moved to Santa Barbara. I've been wanting to change it, but I haven't had the opportunity yet. I'm, I'm hoping soon. Um, but I will go in. I will turn it on. I will do what I need to do. And then I'll just shut it down. Only just be- more, more because of the... The uh, fact that I don't want to waste the electricity, okay, which it's probably not using that much, but I, I will take every little bit I can get, considering that our normal electric bills were $75, and uh, during the summer here in Santa Barbara, it was like 150 to $175. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. And I knew the computer wasn't the culprit, per se, but I figured every little bit helps. Uh, we do have a modem. It does have Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi actually sends the signal to our TV and Roku uh, soundbar in the other room. So um, I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to run a Cat5 cable from the modem to, but it, I mean, it could be done. It, it actually could be done. 
I've got a Cat5 cable that's long enough to do that. Um, coax goes into most TVs, I think. So yeah, my oh, yeah. TV has coax in it. My mm-hmm. Roku TV doesn't, um, but I haven't used it. And then uh, the other one. So you have a cable box. If you have a cable box, that'll connect the... the um, well, yeah. we have a, a Roku device. We do not have uh, service in the house from cable, nor do we have service in the house from satellite. Uh, it's all DSL and phone line. Uh, uh, how That's how it comes in. And it's right. been working fine for 15 years. I haven't really had that much of a problem with it. You know, uh, little spurts here and there where they've had to come out and change out the modem to upgrade it and this kind of thing. But uh, I've also heard, too, about this whole concept, which can affect your home environment, the new 5G antennas. And what I understand, and this is what's interesting to me, and I've, I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, uh, uh, Sandra. Europe has said no to 5G. They've said no. They know something. But America... We are independent, and we're going to do it our own way, and we don't care what Europe does, because we're going to do it our own way. And they're putting 5G all over the place. What do you know about it? What can you tell us about it? Well, I know that it makes things convenient, and I know that I don't really want to be around it, but I know that the street where I live, um, you can. there's a, there's a, a website you can go to to see all the places that there's there's 5g it tells you if it's 5g 4g and 3g and um it's n n perf or n nerf i i i it's probably in my computer somewhere and um it's a map and it shows the world and the united states is full of it um canada not so much (laughs) mexico not so much um it's sparse in most places the big cities russia doesn't have much europe has some i don't remember just from this map of seeing it but you can go right down to the street yeah and see where the 5g and it'll it'll be colored reds 5g greens 4g and whatever goes like that i i i do have to agree with you that uh america is full of it but uh (laughs) That was a beautiful Freudian slip there, I do have to tell you, uh, because we, for some reason, we just don't want to learn from people outside of America. It's, it's you know, and, and it's like, come on, why do we have to keep reinventing the wheel? It's already been invented. So what if it was invented by a guy in his garage in Germany or in Italy or France or Portugal or Spain or... Uh, Yugoslavia or wherever else. So what? You guess what? You get the benefits of this discovery of this invention, but we just don't want to learn. It's like we just don't want to listen to anybody else. It's just, ooh, look. And I'll tell you, I remember being one of the forerunners in the turn of the century here in the late 90s when I was a teacher teaching people how to use computers and people were just having a hard time getting it, you know? And I said, I can't wait to the day when they all have it. And then I remember when wireless came around and it didn't work and I was excited about it, but I didn't realize the repercussions 20 years ago. 
of yeah. wireless. Well, I remember back in 1994 when I was first introduced to the computer, my biggest fear was that there was a red button somewhere on this keyboard, and I was going to find it, and it was going to blow up the computer. Okay? <laughs> uh, then I was told, Richard, there is no red button. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. And just just go ahead and learn. So I did. And my very first computer was a core – I think it was called a core data computer. It was like a in a suitcase of sorts. Actually, oh, yeah. it was – okay. And the front panel came off and had a small little screen with the green letters when you put it in there. had two floppy drives, the big five-and-a-quarter floppy drive. Yeah. Yeah. You'd put your, your operating system in floppy drive A. You'd put the program you wanted, and my very first program, my very first word processing program, was First Choice. Rather appropriate considering my book is called Choices, Five Steps to Life. And that's where I started writing um, my first – now, someone said it was more like a journal, but eh, maybe it was. But anyway, that's where I first started working on a computer. Then I moved up to a 286 and a 386, and a 486, and then, uh, and I have, I have more experience installing Windows 3.1 off of the floppy, the smaller three and a half inch floppy disks, than anybody on the planet, because I thought I knew so much when I first installed it, and I was going through the directory of the files, I'm going, well, I don't need that one, and I don't need that one, and I, and by the way, you know what the extensions were on the ones I was deleting? DLLs and EXE files. Oh, well. Oh. So I'd, I'd reboot the computer and it wouldn't work. And I'm going, what the hell happened? I don't understand. And it wasn't until I did it maybe three or four times that I realized, <laughs> oh, those are important files. Don't delete them. Leave them alone. Yes. Um, so uh, and then I started building them. I started building computers. Uh, awesome. I would uh, I would build them. I would I would get the towers and I would get the peripherals and the motherboard and the whole bit. And I used to build models as a kid growing up while I listened to my recordings for the blind and uh, talking books for the blind. And um, a computer, when I built a computer, it was nothing more than, hey, it's just a working model. You know, that's all. And I don't have to worry about getting glue all over my fingers. Because <laughs> there's little places to put it. <laughs> and, and I knew where to put the stuff. And it, sometimes it would only go in one way. Um there is, uh, and I learned a great lesson from computers, and I would like to talk about this before we wrap things up here, because I know we both need to, uh, we, we've got a, a deadline of, um, uh, on our clocks and so forth. But the, the big lesson that I learned from computers early on is that there is always a workaround. And I'm wondering if there are additional workarounds, shall we say, um, like whether it's the Faraday cage around your modem, whether it's uh, using the, the, the types of uh, gems and or crystals that you might place around your home. Uh, I also, we also have one of these, um, they call them salt lamps. Does that sound familiar? Light bulb yes, inside this. In every room. Yeah. What is, uh, first of all, tell me, what is that supposed to, to do? They're negative ions. Okay. So most of the things in the electronic devices are emitting positive ions. And so the negative ions are uh, neutralize that and makes it a balanced a homeostasis in the environment. Okay. So that's one of the things that uh, crystals and um, 
stones and your salt lamps do? Well, it would behoove us then to get some additional ones. We did have an air purifier uh, that just basically pulled the air into it through the filter, got the dust particles. That was probably more what it's for than anything else. It doesn't didn't do anything uh, other than that to pull the, the dust particles out of the air, which is still a good thing. Um, but anything that one can do to to energize the atmosphere in their homes to bring it into a balance. So it's not all negatives and also not all positives, but a balance, right? Right, exactly. That's what you're and looking for. And that's what these kinds of things do. Uh, they, you know, offset the the positive ions from all the electronics. And that helps us uh, feel calm. So you know how it's nice to go outside and how it feels in a beautiful place if you want that feeling in your home. And so learning these keys of having something. I like to try to have a salt lamp in every room. I have crystals in every room. Um, there are as feng shui. There's the energy the where you place things. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that... Um, People can do, there's always a work around feng shui. And the original uh, source of feng shui was called Vastu. And I have a book on that. And the founder of this little device uh, wrote it. Uh, so it's Indian. So there's ways of placement, plant placement, um, how you arrange your furniture. That is energetic. There, there's just so many things that can be done. There's always a work around. I think that's so true. And keeping ourselves center so that we know what's going on around us, because it's the field that we're generating, that we're supporting, right? Right. It's, it's, this is our environment. Our bodies are an extension of our spirits. Our homes are extensions of us and, and so on. So it's going in. You're, you're back to your, your statement and your motto of going inside. Yeah, going within, trusting that still small voice. Yeah. Sandra uh, Bologna is my guest, and uh, we're talking about removing toxins from your home here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I'm glad that you folks have uh, stayed with us throughout the program. We are now going to uh, take it to uh, bring it to a conclusion, at least for today, because I know there's probably a lot more that we could talk about in regards to that. Whether you get a Faraday cage, whether you get the gems and crystals, whether you spend time in mindfulness meditation, um, uh, and, you know, I realize that this is probably an extreme measure. But if you have to burn the house to the ground and start over again, you know, tear it down and rebuild, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, but uh, first, get the permits, get permission, and make sure your neighbors are okay with that. Uh, because because you don't want to up, you know, you want to talk about toxic energy, you're going to get a lot from your neighbors. <laughs> if you I just if, had my roof replaced, so I can tell you that's the fact. Yeah. Uh, and that must have been an interesting experience in and of itself. Before we let you go, first of all, I want to thank you for giving us so much time and sharing with us your insights on how we can improve our living, uh, uh, our, our living space where we spend most of our time, especially over the last two years. We've most of us have spent, uh, not me, but most everybody else has spent in their homes and zooming. <laughs> 
all over the country, all over the world. Uh, and I really do appreciate the information you have. And the people need to do their due diligence. Go to your website, which is uh, Sandra Bologna, Bologna, com. will be linked to your website. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really, really a lot of fun today. Thank you. Well, I do have three final questions that I like to ask my guests, and you may have addressed them at the uh, sometime during the program, but I like to ask them directly. But before I do, I need to talk to you, the listener and the viewer, and say thank you for listening and viewing and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. But don't forget, there's a 9 a.m. Wednesday edition of Tell Me Your Story. I hope that you will participate uh, by listening to these programs. Go to the podcast locations as well. They are SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many others that we have linked to. So I hope you'll subscribe. But I also hope that you'll go to the YouTube channel, Tell Me Your Story, and watch these interviews. And um, you'll be able to get to know us a little bit better by sight. Uh, and that's always a good thing. It's always good to see the people that are talking instead of just uh, uh, talking head, disembodied talking heads, if you will. Uh, so I hope you'll do that. And I also hope that if you are able to do so, you can support this program financially. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I used to work for a Christian radio station, and I made a promise to my listeners, uh, Sandra, uh, years and years and years ago, I would never pull the tactics that these ministers would pull by saying, and if you don't support the program, we're going to have to take it off the air. I'll just take it off the air. If I can't afford it, I'll take it off the air. Uh, I won't produce them anymore if I can't afford it. So I'm not putting this burden on anybody. This is my challenge. But if you would like to be a part of the work that we're doing by changing the world, one toxin at a time, if you will, <laughs> uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Go to PayPal. And when they uh, ask you uh, where you're asking to send the support, you're sending it to richard at richarddugan.com. That's the email address, richard at richarddugan.com. And uh, I thank those who have supported this program in the past and those who will support it in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We also want you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. And again, we're asking you to go within. Trust the still small voice. It's yours. It's there for you and you alone. Uh, I've never said to anybody, God told me to tell you, Sandra, uh, that you need to cut your hair shorter. You need to get a different style of glasses and uh, you need to walk backwards the rest of your life. Um, so uh, that's, you know, it's not for me. I'm not, I don't have that information for you. Only you have that information for you, right? Right. Absolutely. With all of that said, I now get to the three final questions. I feel like I'm playing the final round of Jeopardy or something. The first of those three questions is, who is Sandra Bologna? Uh, Sa Sandra Bologna is a female human who um, is become a teacher to enjoy this world be connected to this planet and be fully grounded in, in this body so that it can interact with other humans and critters on earth. 
What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, my goal is to um, help others find their purpose, to find their gift so that they can share that. Because I believe we each have something unique that if we're able to express it, and we all know what that is by going inside, then we will express it because we're all part of this beautiful puzzle. And you sort of addressed it in your answer, but I'll ask the third question of you. What is your life's purpose? Yeah, I feel my life purpose is to help others, to plant the seeds, to just be there to support wherever they are and the people that I'm with in my life as I enjoy this life. Hmm. Well, Sandra, we have enjoyed spending this period of our lives with you. Thank you so much once again. And we look forward to having you back on the program in the not too distant future uh, to see what progress you have made, the people that you work with have made, and uh, maybe even our society at large has made uh, in terms of reducing the toxins in our home. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. It was really a joy. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next <clears throat> broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.